for I am but a sojourner with you, a wayfarer, as all my forebears were. Psalm 39. Today's gospel tells us the story of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus' flight into Egypt. In this reading, Joseph is warned by an angel in a dream that Herod is out to kill Jesus. He gets up, takes the child and his mother, and goes to Egypt. The danger is that King Herod has come up with a solution to the problem the Magi caused when they didn't return to tell him Jesus's exact location. This solution is brutal and heartless and hard to hear, let alone imagine, to slaughter every child under two years of age in Bethlehem. It is not until Herod dies and another angel comes to Joseph in a dream that the family can return to Judea. But Joseph can't settle his family in the place that he left. He had to go somewhere else because Archelaus, the son of Herod, was just as much of a threat to Jesus and his parents as Herod was. So instead of settling in Bethlehem, their hometown, they settled in the Galilean town of Nazareth. There, Joseph can make a living and Jesus can grow to fulfill the purpose God had for him, to save his people from their sins. The story of the Holy Family's sojourn in Egypt is rich in meaning and metaphor, and also deeply disturbing. Those who are familiar with the stories of the Hebrew Bible will hear echoes of the enslavement of the Hebrew people in Egypt, the dreams of Joseph, son of Rachel and Jacob, that led him to Egypt, the decree by Pharaoh that all the boys born to the Hebrew women should be killed, and the ultimate liberation of the Hebrew people from Egypt, guided by Moses. Joseph, Mary's husband, is aligned with Joseph the dreamer of Genesis. Herod parallels Pharaoh. Mary parallels Miriam, Moses' sister, who saves him from Pharaoh and Jesus, Moses, the liberator. But still, Herod kills children to try to kill Jesus. Jesus lives, but at what cost? Matthew offers no explanation for this, instead inviting us to imagine Rachel inconsolably weeping for her children, for the loss is too much to bear. This week's gospel may find may feel familiar to anyone who has had to leave their homes because of political persecution, natural disaster, or economic displacement. What do you do when you are faced with the reality that staying where you are might mean death? If you can, you leave. When Joseph took his family to Egypt, he crossed a border to assure his family's safety. You see, Egypt and Gaza bordered each other, and Gaza bordered Judea, where Jesus and his family lived. There is a large Jewish population living in Egypt at the time, and that is likely where Joseph, Mary, and Jesus settled, and probably not in a big Egyptian city like Alexandria or Heliopolis. They settled with a familiar community and waited until it was safe to return. 
This is very similar to what happens along the border between the United States and Mexico. In thinking about that border, it can be helpful to remember that the U.S.-Mexico border used to be very different. It wasn't until the end of the Mexican-American War and the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848 that Mexico ceded to the United States the territories that are now the American Southwest. The people did not move. The border moved. The history of the U.S.-Mexico border is one of connected people. Families stretch across it, and there is a continuous flow of people between communities. In the fiscal year ending in 2021, 1.7 million people attempted to enter the United States illegally through the southern border, coming from over 160 different countries. 1.7 million people. This is by far the largest number of people since records started being kept in 1960. After Mexico, the top countries of origin are Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Why are people coming? There's no one reason. People are coming because their home countries are being ravaged by the COVID pandemic. Hurricanes in Guatemala and Honduras caused loss of homes and jobs and also there is an assumption that the Biden administration has implemented policies to make immigration more open. This last part is not entirely true. The majority of those attempting to cross the border were returned to their country of origin, even those seeking refugee status, largely due to the public health restrictions put in place by Trump and kept there by Biden. The United States has become like Egypt for the people in this hemisphere and beyond, seeking refuge from situations that threaten their lives. What do we do in response? We send people back to Bethlehem, back to King Herod, where Rachel weeps for her children. But what does God want us to do? How should we respond to people who come to us seeking refuge? In the Hebrew Bible, God is clear. In Leviticus, we read, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In Ephesians, we are reminded of the responsibilities we have to one another, that through Jesus, we are no longer strangers and aliens, but citizens and also members of the household of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that those who are merciful will be shown mercy. And when we are baptized, we promise to respect human dignity. And we reaffirm that promise every time we witness the baptism with the words of the baptismal covenant. To the question, will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? We respond with, I will with God's help. This reminds us that we are called to respond to those seeking refuge with love seeing them as created in God's image, just as we are. Remember the echo of Exodus in this gospel story. Its structure purposefully recalls 
this identity-forming story of the liberation of the Jewish people from slavery. We witness God's liberating power in the actions of Mary and Joseph to protect Jesus, the one in whom freedom is perfected. Paradoxically, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus found refuge in Egypt, in a place that, according to their history, had enslaved and oppressed their people. They were able to exist as a family unit, as part of a community, until it was safe for them to go home. The problem for us living here in the United States is that we're really good at treating migrants the way that Egyptians treat the Hebrew slaves. Having people work in fields, doing back-breaking work, harvesting food they will never eat, building homes that they will never dwell in, for wages that cannot sustain a person, let alone a family. This is the kind of thing the prophets warned us about. We can do better. We can be better. The Episcopal Church has taken a stand on refugee resettlement and asylum that leads with love. In October, they issued a statement in favor of the Biden administration increasing the FY22 refugee emissions ceiling to 125,000. While this is far below the number of people that crossed the border in FY 2021, it is nearly twice the number of refugees settled in FY 2021. And the Episcopal Church helps to resettle immigrants. In 2020, Episcopal Migration Ministries and its network of local affiliates welcomed over 597 refugees and 524 holders of special immigrant visas from 29 countries in 12 communities. And they offer resources for congregations to study issues of migration and resettlement, to provide support for refugees, asylees, and migrants, and track legislation. You can be a part of their work through donation or by signing up for their updates and responding to their calls for action. Through this kind of work, we can transform the United States from the Egypt that enslaved and abused generations of Hebrew people into the Egypt that held Mary, Joseph, and Jesus safely until they could go home so Jesus could fulfill his purpose on earth. My hope is that this country, our city, our congregation, may, by our prayers and actions, become as Egypt was for the Holy Family. Let us pray. Lord God, you came to us as a child in need of protection, to a family that fled out of fear for their safety. Instill in us, O oh God, compassion for those who are displaced, and open our hearts to take action on their behalf. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.